0: So let me pray and we'll get it right into it. Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for this opportunity and um, and take it for granted sometimes. I, I take it for granted sometimes. It's so nice to be in a space with people who don't judge us, they just love us and are on their own journey. All of us seeking more of you together and that's what we want this morning. We want more of you, less of us, less of me. Um, So we just pray that you would speak to us, challenge us, encourage us. Whatever our hearts need this morning, you know, and you are our provider. We just want to be open to you. In Jesus' name. Well, welcome 9:30 here, and welcome Tremont. We're so glad that you're joining us, and those of you that are joining us online, we are excited that you're joining us for this three-week little kind of mini series: the power of generosity, power of gratitude, and the power of encouragement—three really important things in your life. You know, when I was like early to thirteen, I was thirteen, and uh, I don't need to tell you when that was. <laughs> But I, I remember being at a Tina League baseball game, and my dad was um, taking me home. We had one of those cool station wagons. Those two words sound weird in the same sentence. You know, the station wagon Chevy Chase drives into the to get the tree with, and it, you know, the Christmas thing there and uh, Christmas vacation we had one of those like I don't know everybody had one of those the panels on the wood panels on the side brown and I don't know what happened to station wagons you don't see a lot of station wagons anymore but we used to cruise around in that station I remember it's so detailed on the way home from this teener league baseball game it was just me and my dad which was strange I should have known something was up usually there were more people in the car with us but I was oblivious as I jumped into the car and my dad started this almost hour-long drive back home. We just got in the car, had just closed the door. It was like one of those games we played until dark, and the sun was setting. And my dad decided it was time to have a very important and very awkward talk with me. I was children around. So I'm not going to get into all the details, but just trust me when I say that he intended to get into all the details. You ever been in one of these conversations with your old man or your mom or something? So, so I caught on real quick. This was going to be one of those, that talk, the one, there's kids around. You got to draw the conclusions yourself. So I did what any self-respecting 13-year-old would do. I yawned really big, <laughs> tucked my head against the door, said, I'm really tired, I'm just gonna go to sleep now. <laughs> I thought that would shut down the conversation, but my dad he just kept talking. My my fake snores didn't knock him off course. At one point, he said, Listen, I know you're still awake. This is a talk we have to have. I pretended I was asleep through that entire conversation about the birds and the bees, awkwardly sweating and leaning against the door of that, just wishing that my dad would drive faster something would happen. A car would come out of nowhere and swipe us. It, I don't care, like... I put my seatbelt on praying to God that somebody would rear-end uh, that station wagon to end the pain and uncomfortableness of that conversation. And uh, this morning's one of those conversations. <laughs> so you should know that if you want to pretend you're asleep, that's cool with me. <laughs> if you feel like you just want it to be over fast, I get it, and that's cool with me, too. What we're talking about this morning is money. Generosity, really, but what we hear when we hear generosity, even though generosity can be about so many other things, what we hear when we hear that is money. And the conversation about money feels really awkward to me in church. Maybe it's your first time here. And uh, you haven't experienced us very long, or maybe you've just been here a couple weeks. You're trying to figure this church thing out. And if this is the church for you, if this is a place where you belong, I would say, yeah, this is a place for you and you belong here. What you miss is that if you've just been here for short windows, we hardly ever talk about money. We don't pass plates around. Nobody is going to get up on stage and make you feel weird about it. And yet, even though we don't ever talk about money, it feels really awkward to me to talk about it in church. I don't know why it feels awkward to me. I think maybe it feels awkward to me because I hear the stories of some of your experiences in other churches. I've listened to you tell stories to me about how people have manipulated you, made you feel guilty, kept track of all the stuff that you gave and like browbeat you from a pulpit or a lectern or something like that if you weren't giving whatever they thought you should be giving. I've heard all those stories and they make me cringe. Don't they make you cringe? I've seen how money is talked about by preachers on TV and it makes me cringe. <laughs> I've had to have those kind of conversations with friends of mine who don't go to church who happen to be stuck working in a place where one of those things is playing on the TV and they're like, what's up with that whole thing about I have to give money to this TV preacher so I go to heaven and I cringe. I'm like, no, that's not what it's about. I don't know why it feels awkward. Maybe it feels awkward because it's been so miscommunicated. We've, it's been even abused at times in the context of the church. We've gotten mixed messages. People have tried to manipulate us. They've used money misappropriately, all in the name of God. Just, it makes it so awkward. But what I've realized is that even with all of the garbage out there about God, money, and church, even with the false teachings out there, that if you sow a little bit, God's going to write you a bigger check. <laughs> Even with all of the terrible stories I've heard from you, hope from other places hopefully, I've realized that, man, money is deeply tied, whether I like it or not, to my own relationship and journey with God. And... In really good ways. I've realized as I've reflected on this message. And I've thought about it a lot. And I knew I was going to have to preach this. as As I thought about it. I thought. I've also learned so much. From watching my dad. Be generous. See generosity is a beautiful thing. And it gets thrown out. Because of all of these bad experiences. All of this. Wrong teaching, all of this guilt and all of this shame and all of this garbage that people tie to this whole conversation about money and what God says about it. But generosity is a beautiful thing that God calls us to. In fact, it's powerful. That's why we called this message the power of generosity. See, I learned generosity from my dad from not just hearing what he taught about it, not just hearing him instill the values that God teaches about money in my life, but I've learned it in watching him live generously. He was a guy who would give away his last 20 bucks and say, I trust God to provide, and then tell the story about how he found 20 bucks in his driveway. He was a guy who when he worked here in his last, I don't know, 10 years, would give almost his entire paycheck back to the church. This was a guy who wouldn't know how he was ever going to pay for a car repair. And then somehow these miraculous things would happen in my childhood where somebody would just be like, here, want a free car? I watched my dad who didn't have a lot of money. He never, we never had a lot of money, man, like just straight up. I grew up in Cresona. We had like the food tickets that you gave at the school lunch to get that stuff for free or reduced. And like that's just, we didn't have a lot of money, yet we never needed anything. I had the baseball glove I always wanted. We never knew we didn't have money See, I learned generosity from watching my dad and what I learned from watching him live Generously, not just in how he gave to the church, but in how he gave his time to others, and how he served other people, and how he was generous with love with other people, and with how he was generous with his money with other people. What I learned from watching him is that God always provides and that there is a pathway to experiencing this incredible blessing in your life when you live generously towards others. Generosity is a powerful thing, and what I've learned is, though the conversation may be awkward, avoiding it is really stealing from you some of the most incredible lessons you can have in your relationship with God and in faith. That's why God talks about money and our relationships with it a lot. You see, money does something to us. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus is teaching, and He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both. And this is where I wish it would stop. You cannot serve God and money. That's the application of that verse? Come on. I don't want it to be the application that Jesus uses for that verse. But then I look at my own life, and I'm like, yeah. It is so easy for me to make money my God. That's why the warning from Jesus is so strong. It's because money does something to us. It reveals our heart. And it can easily replace our God. Just like money can do something to us, though, generosity and God's plan for us is to live generously Generosity does something, too. I learned from watching the joy in my father. I've experienced the joy in my own life of living generously. I've experienced the blessing, the lessons of learning that God is ultimately my provider. And so this morning, I just want to run down 10 principles about living generously, We're going to run these down fast, and my goal this morning is to just maybe tweak your perspective on God and money a little bit. I know it's been jacked up by some people. I know it's been jacked up by some messages before, and just to be extremely clear, here at Grace Free Church, I don't want your money I mean, everything that you see has been provided by the generous donations of people, but this is not about you giving here. This is not about, like, like I believe God has, provide, has provided everything we need through a pandemic. He's providing everything we need right now. He's what, Whatever he wants us to do, he is going to provide enough for us to do it here. This is not about getting you to Fill up the offering box. This is not about you to getting you to fork out your wallet and pull everything out and you know leave it at some altar or something. This is not about manipulating you to give anywhere. These are just ten biblical principles that are really important about living generously. the The first passage I want to read to you is found in Deuteronomy. You with me this morning? You with me in Tremont? You didn't turn that screen off up there. The first passage I want to read is in that we'll pull a couple principles from is Deuteronomy 8, verse 10. If you practice living generously, you are going to experience blessing in your life. It's, I can say that as a fact because I know it to be true, and it's a promise from God. And I don't care where you practice being generous. You don't got to practice it here. And if you're not even sure about starting to live generously with money, then live generously with your time. Start somewhere. Live generously with your skill set. Live generously by serving your neighbor down the street. Just start somewhere. Deuteronomy, it says, when you have eaten and are, in in chapter 8, verse 10, when you are eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. That's a great place to start practicing generosity just by being thankful. We'll get to gratitude next week, and it won't have anything to do with money. But uh, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, if you forget God, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied. Those are really good things. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. As you increase, don't forget where it comes from. As you've experienced blessing, don't forget the God who got you there. It goes on and he says, he led you through the vast dreadful wilderness, that thirsty, waterless land with his venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, listen to this, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for he, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Here's a couple of truths from this passage right here. Number one, everything you have is from God. Sometimes that's easier for me to admit. I have an easy time looking at, I don't want to get into the whole story, the miracle of my first child's birth into this world. The doctor looked at me and said, This baby is a miracle baby. So I have an easier time looking at that and saying, What a blessing from God. Thank you, Jesus, right? But then I I look at the things I I do with my hands and the money I make using skill and and I think, man, look how good I did. (laughs) There are things in my life that are easier for me, like I don't know how this woman married me. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. It's easy for me to look at that and be like, thank you, God, what a blessing. I hope she doesn't figure out how imbalanced this relationship ever is. You know, like, it's easy for me to look at that relationship, and be like, that's, a, that's some God, a gift from God. But then I look at other things, I'm like, man, that checking account balance, look how good I did. That savings account balance, look how good I did. Booked that coaching gig, look how good I did. Got hired back to speak at some conference, look how. Why is it harder? Everything. God says, all of it's from God. Principle number one, whatever you have, whatever you are blessed with, the biblical principle, you can choose to believe it or not, but the biblical principle, what God says is, it's all because of me, and I love you. Number two, there's nothing wrong with wealth. That's the other reason why I think it gets awkward talking about money in church. Because some people think, don't ever talk about money in the church, blah, blah, blah. And then other people think, like, we're not supposed to even have money. Like there's, I've heard people tell me, like, oh, I just, like... Don't want to make any, it's all for God. I just want to do God's work. I don't want to get paid. I don't want any money. I, don't want, I should, if I'm really spiritual, I should live in poverty. I should never have that nice car, those nice things. That's not biblical either. Here in this passage, it doesn't say there's anything wrong with wealth or money. It's not wrong. It's not evil. It's just a thing. A thing that God uses a thing that God blesses you with and asks you to bless others with. There's nothing wrong if you're sitting here and you're like an ambitious entrepreneur. You're like, I just want to make money. There's nothing wrong with wanting wealth. It's neutral. It's how your heart treats that wealth. It's how you hold on to that wealth that makes it a God or not in your life. Here, he's not saying you shouldn't have any money. He's saying this money, this wealth, this blessing, these riches you're experiencing, it's all for me. Third, The third principle here, and this one just completely gets me. God blesses us, and he uses it to confirm his stance Towards us, To the Israelites here, he's like, this is evidence of my covenant to you. This blessing that I'm pouring out, on, don't forget me, I'm showing you who you are to me and who I am to you. He confirms his stance when we live generously. He confirms his stance toward us through how he blesses us. It's not the only way he confirms it, but he's saying like, you can trust me you can trust me. You can trust me not just with your relationships. You can trust me not with just with an hour on a Sunday morning. You can trust me not just with your health. You can trust me with the hardest stuff there is to trust God with. Is there anything harder to trust him with than money? And f- number four principle, it's important to our faith journey living generously. Malachi chapter 3 and verses 6 through 12 is this crazy, striking passage. It says this, it says, "'I, the Lord, do not change, so the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you,' says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return?' From devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Living generously is important to our faith journey, it grounds us. Number four. It's important to our faith journey. Isn't it interesting? I love, you, you hear this passage talk about, and mostly it's talked about the end of it, right? Like if you, if you test God in this, he's gonna open the floodgates of blessing. And you hear preachers on TV talk about, right, I, I, shouldn't, do a, I shouldn't do an accent right now. I almost did an accent. <laughs> it could have gotten me in real trouble, big time. You hear preachers on TV, just sow this seed. This is a passage I use. Sow this seed and God will open the floodgates of heaven for you. Focus on that part. Forget like the real issue here in this passage isn't money. Money is just something that reveals our heart. That, that's not what this main passage is about. It's about their hearts who had forgotten God. So it's their hearts that had forgotten how he had provided. It was their hearts that had turned from him. It's their hearts that had set themselves up as their own God in life. And that's why he says, you need to return to me. Return to me. See, living generously, it's an important part of our faith journey because it's an expression of trust. It's an acknowledgement of what God has provided for us. And here in this passage, principle number five, it's our first move toward God. It's our first, this is a, the, the idea of tithing. It's the idea of first fruits in the Old Testament. Tithing was like the law that they lived by and the law for the Israelites and those who followed God in the Old Testament was that you gave your first fruits back to God, whatever you made, whatever amount of sheep were given to you, <laughs> like the spices you got, right? Like all of the, whatever, whatever you, you have, Coming in, you take the first 10% and you provide that to God. That was the idea of tithing. In the New Testament, you get this whole idea that we're just supposed to give according to how God has blessed us. You don't have to go exactly by the 10%, though it's a good on-ramp. But like if God's really blessing you with more, in the New Testament, the idea is that you give according to how God has blessed you. If he's been blessing you less, you just start with where you can start. Like That's the whole thing. Being generous, it grounds us and it grows us. It's directly tied to where our hearts are. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Nobody's pretending they're asleep, so that's a good thing. Maybe up in Tremont, everybody's got pillows busted out. <laughs> it says this. It's New Testament. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not reluctantly, or under compulsion. Come, you never hear that one on TV. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will large the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Principle number seven the New Testament concept is that you give according to the blessings that God has given you. As God blesses, the eighth principle in this message as God blesses, he increases that doesn't mean that your bank account is gonna bounce big. He doesn't always provide blessing the way we think he should. But he always blesses Sometimes he blesses us through our relationships. Sometimes he blesses us financially. Sometimes he blesses us through opportunity. Sometimes he blesses us through the peace that we experience. Sometimes he blesses us through the freedom we have from things in life. He blesses us in so many different ways, but the blessing is always better and more important than what has been sowed. Number nine. Sowing says something about us, so the question I have to ask myself is, what have I been sowing into? And number 10, giving is about the heart. It's not about the wallet, the bank account, how much or where. It's just something between you and God It's an act of gratitude from the heart. It's an act of thanksgiving from the heart. It's an acknowledgement of God's place in your life from the heart. Living generously, you see, it changes other people. There's no greater way to impact someone than to live generously with your time, with your skill with your money sometimes. There's no better way to impact somebody. Generosity does something to others, but here's the most important truth. Living generously does more to me and my heart than it ever could to me just being generous to somebody else. See, I often give, although... I'm going to have a talk with the owner of Duncan about this, who's a friend of mine, but like, I try to live generously wherever I can. They don't let you do. I tried last week. They don't let you pay it forward in the Duncan line anymore. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. We'll get this, we'll get this thing figured out real fast. I know the dude. Um, I, I, I try to live generously wherever I can, and what I've realized is that it, it frees my heart, and it feels good. It's difficult sometimes because sometimes I'm like, "This is my precious. It's it's mine. I want it. You know." Like, (laughs) but when I can live generously with other people, it frees me. It feels so good. You see, I've met million. I've sat and talked with millionaires who live generously, and I've sat and talked with millionaires who don't, <laughs> who is just about getting more and more. And I know we all want to be millionaires. <laughs> but you know what? Millionaires who just need more and more and more, what I have found in those conversations is they have not mastered money. Money has mastered them. And they are miserable, and then I've sat with millionaires who are generous, not just with money, but with their time, with their knowledge, with their skill set. And what I've found with them, the more they give away. It just seems like the more they have. But more importantly than that, they are some of the most joy-filled, happiest, freest people I've met, and it has nothing to do with the amount of money they have in their bank accounts. It has everything to do with their hearts. Jesus gathered the disciples. The story is found in Matthew chapter 6, I think. Somebody will correct me. I'm sure I don't remember. Mark chapter 12. Not even close. Yeah, Mark chapter 12. Um, Jesus, he gathers up all the disciples because something amazing was happening outside the temple. They had these awful boxes, like huge boxes and and people that were loaded and showing off how much they gave at the temple would walk in and make a big show about it. Aren't those people so annoying? Like, this is between you and God, not you and everybody else. This isn't an opportunity to show off how spiritual you are or how much money you have or how much status you have. But these people would use the opportunity for giving and worship as an opportunity to show off and just flare their pride up. So they'd walk by these boxes and they'd dump bags of change into them and it would make this huge racket and they'd probably be like, does everybody see this? Does everybody see this? Look how much I'm giving." But then out of all this nonsense, there was this widow. She didn't have a lot. You could tell. She walked up to this thing and Jesus says, wait a minute. Disciples, I'm paraphrasing, like watch this something amazing is going to go down. I wonder if the disciples thought, oh, some high roller whale is about to walk in and drop 10% of their winnings at the Tropicana. (laughs) I don't even know if that's a thing. (laughs) What's going on here? Like, let's all, but no, this widow weaves her way up to this offering box quietly, probably embarrassed not trying to make a show, just trying to fade into the background. She drops, like, the widow's mite. It, it's, it's an amount to, like, cents. Just some pennies. Very little into this box. And Jesus is like, whoa! Did you see that? I wonder if the disciples were like, for real? Like, I just walked past that much change. And didn't pick it up because I didn't want the germs. Like for real? Jesus like. She gave everything she had. In an act of worship. Not to make the temple rich. Not so that some TV preacher can get a new suit or airplane. She gave all that she had. Just a beautiful gift of acknowledgement. That the little she had was a blessing from God. A little gift that acknowledged God is my provider. I trust him. We don't give because of obligation or duty or guilt or under compulsion, or because some sermon was preached about it, that's not why we live generously. We live generously because we are grateful, because it's an acknowledgement of everything God has done for us and in us and through us. We live generously because we know that as we live generously with what God has given us, he's gonna bless others and it's gonna change their lives, but that's not all. We live generously because it grounds our faith and because God frees us from the slavery of a life lived serving money. He frees us from the mastery of it and he blesses us, blessing upon blessing upon blessing as we live open-handed with all that he has given us. It's a hard lesson. It takes trust. But when we live it out, it's beautiful. Here's some takeaways. Takeaway number one, practice acknowledging that all you have is from God. Don't want to give, don't give. Don't be gen- if you don't want to sh- be generous with something, don't be. Just start by taking a minute every day and acknowledging in prayer, God, man, thank you. Everything I have is from you. Start small and watch how God blesses you. Look for how he blesses you. It says, test me in this. Look for ways he blesses you as you begin to practice an acknowledgement that this principle is all that you have is from God. Number two, we've done this from time to time. Uh, We have a challenge going on right now. It's called the 10 for 10 challenge. I just talked, sent an email to... My CPA, that sounds so ridiculous. It's not ridiculous it's because I can't count. (laughs) Because I wanna participate in this and I wanted to be the first one to participate in this. We started a challenge at Grace Free Church, it's called the 10 for 10. Done this occasionally. And the challenge is this, for 10 months give 10% more than what you're giving now. That's not 10% of what you have, just 10% more of what you're giving now. So if you're giving like nothing, Start with like 10 bucks a month or a week. You don't have to do it here. Do it wherever you feel is appropriate. I know some of you got trust issues with the church. By the way, all of our finances, you can see all of them if you want. You just gotta set up a phone call with our people here that do all that stuff. They keep me out of all of it because I'll mess it all up. Um, If if you give like 10 bucks, try 11 If you give this is where my math is gonna go way south on me. If you give a hundred bucks, give a hundred and ten. Is that that's right. For ten months, and it's not about building the church's bank account. For ten months, just watch and see how God uses what you are giving. Take account of how He's blessing you. That's takeaway number. Two, if you want to participate, participate in the 10 for 10. We'll put up some stuff and reminders. If you want to know more about it, you can go to gracefreechurch.net slash 10, either the number or the letters. Number three, if, be generous somewhere with something. Just be generous somewhere with something. I don't know, maybe you got trust, I get it. Just try being generous with your neighbor. Start with being generous with your time. Try just being generous with your skill set. We're gonna talk about gratitude and encouragement, but before we even get to that sermon, if you don't wanna start with my, start with encouragement and the words you use. Live generously and watch and see what God does in your life. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for being our provider. All that we have is from you. You are so generous to us. Help us to find ways to live generously. What a great time of year to start doing that. Help us to see the fruit of a life lived generously. We thank you that we can trust you with every area of our life and some of those areas are harder. It's just truth. But we know we can trust you with every area of our lives. And you do not disappoint. And so as we end this morning with worship Just pray that you'd fill our hearts with gratitude and thanksgiving for who you are. Help us to take account for all the ways you have blessed us. And without feeling compulsion or guilt or weird or awkward about it, help each of us just to find a way to live more generously this week. In Jesus' name, amen.